Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. And Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines, The Wise Woman Way, the newest book in the Wise Woman Herbal Series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hi, Susan. How are you this evening? Oh, gearing up for the Green Goddess Apprentice Week. Talking to a vet. Yes, a vet has all the supplies ready for the painting of the power shields. The women... um, 
learn about um, use of color and use of form and symbolism in their power shields um, on their first day with a vet, and then they are free to create their personal power shield. Of course, she's there to help. If anybody gets stuck or needs to ask a question. And uh, this year, I think they're going to even get a chance to go over to Yvette's studio. Yvette lives within walking distance. And mm-hmm. then they're talking to White Feather, and White Feather, of course, does the Seven Directions Movement Meditation, as well as shares Seneca chants and dances. I met Grandmother Twyla Nitch, the Wolf Plan leader of the Seneca Nation, at Omega. She was walking up the pathway, muttering to herself and seemingly pretty upset. And I quickened my pace to come abreast of her. And Mm. she continued to say what she'd been muttering, but louder. And I, you know, only needed to say, yes, you're right, or aha, at the appropriate places. And we went back to where she was staying, and she continued, and she, you know, said, you're right. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a a women's only thing. I hadn't said a word. Um, Mm -hmm. And we became very close. She invited me up to the Cattaraugus Reservation, and she also, at the same time, had met Whitefeather. And she really took both of us under her wing in a very special way and gave us gifts. Now, of course, in Aboriginal cultures, when you're given a gift, you're given a responsibility because power and responsibility are the two sides of the same coin. And the gift that Grandmother gave me was a talking stick and that I was to engage in talking stick every single day of my life, and I do sometimes even twice a day. If there's a moon lodge, remember we do talking stick every morning. If there's a moon lodge in the evening, there's talking stick then too. And the gift that she gave White Feather was the Seven Directions Movement Meditation, which some people have called Native American Tai Chi, which is pretty apt. And so the Green Goddesses spend their mornings with White Feather learning the Seven Directions Movement Meditation. She always also has a book and uh, DVD out because Grandmother really wanted us to take these gifts into the world. She did not give them to us. She said that we should just sit on them, but that she gave them to us because we were teachers and because she would knew, knew that we would teach them to others. And then she taught both White Feather and I a wonderful variety of chants and dances, which are simple and fun and, um, you know, greeting the sun and the wolf chant and a variety of other things from the great peaceful nations, which we like to share with the apprentices, needless to say, they'll also be spending time with me and the plants, and that will include the mushrooms. As a matter of fact, day before yesterday, on Sunday, with the Great Remedies class, we went out for a mushroom walk after lunch, Mm -hmm. and we found black chanterelles, which we ate for dinner, and we found um, various amanitas, and we found, oh, lots of um, rusulas, a couple of lacterias, some boletes. We found some shelf fungi, 
Um, what we didn't see was we didn't see any reishi or turkey tail. I'm guessing it's just a little bit early for them. There were coral fungi and purple coral fungi. Ooh, la wee. And all kinds of waxy caps. So I'm kind of gearing up, getting my menu um, in mind, um, what kind of foods are um, available to us to pick. I'm looking at it, my new herb bed. And for the Greenwich holiday, we went out and we picked amaranth from that herb bed. Because I started it just by laying down compost, and then I threw a bunch of amaranth seed on it, and that amaranth seed totally took off. And no, it wasn't amaranth seed that I bought. It was just from an amaranth seed head I had snapped off and had sitting around in a bag. Goodness only knows for how long. And the mm-hmm. bag was pretty tattered, so I'm going to say it was over 10 years. Mm-hmm. But the amaranth seed grew like crazy. We were able to harvest, I don't know, maybe five pounds of amaranth for our Greenwich mm-hmm. holiday, and much of it we cut. And so where we cut it, of course, now two stalks are growing up, and I was just looking at it. It's just starting to get a few flower buds, and for me, that's when I say, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh, getting to be too late because those flower buds and the amaranth are kind of bristly and hard, and you have to go through and pick them out and take them off. And since they tend to make flower buds not just right at the end, but also in every little leaf node, you really, and this is like kind of our last chance to harvest that. So... That's what I've been doing. <laughs> I've been living in the past, in the green goddess weeks of the past. I've been living in the future, in the green goddess week of the future, and I'm also doing my best to be right here in the present. What have you been up to? Oh, wow. Oh, well, I've been very present, um, just taking care of things that come up here, um, enjoying finding lots of new trees, working on compost piles, quite a bit, um, got some red wigglers and have been, we have a lot of apple trees, so apple trees, or apples are dropping everywhere, and I've been collecting them, the ones that aren't ready, and adding them to the compost pile, and in doing that, finding other new plants, and found a new yarrow patch coming up, um, started exploring the neighborhood a little bit, and getting familiar with the hills, and it's just so magical here. I am. We are so blessed to be here. So it's been really lovely. It's been very hot. So I've been taking a lot of breaks and coming inside. And, um, yeah, just enjoying the change into the second half of summer and change of sounds. And the sounds in the evening at the barn are changing again, and the light is changing. So I can tell we're heading into fall. And, um, yeah, it's just been a lovely week. And, yeah, that's about, I'd say that's about it in a general sense. Yes. There's a very interesting shift in the energy of the plants. Mm. You know, really up until even early July, it's like the plants are, like, going for it and, and, you know, just getting out there. And then... As you say, once that light starts to fade, they kind of quiet down in the same way that we feel a little quieter each evening as the light fades. Mm. And there's less, there's less push from them. There's less veriditas. Veriditas is what Hildegard of Bingen called chi, 
Veriditas translates as the greening force or the force that bursts the bud. Mm-hmm. And there is always Veriditas, there's always life force, there's always chi in the plants, but it has different textures or different characteristics at different times of day and night and different um, seasons. Michelle and I were talking about five element theory today and about working with the, those contrasts and the, those ideas of hot and cold and full and empty and all of the other contrasts there are. And I was um, talking about how much I enjoy getting the benefit of the huge number of people who have been observing plants and their interactions with people for thousands of years Mm. and give me that information in a way that I can use it because it's not this herb treats hepatitis. And you've noticed that, you know, frequently when I'm talking to someone here on the show, they'll be eager to tell me what their diagnosis is, and I'll do my best to find out what's going on with them rather than what the diagnosis is. Yes, yes, and I've seen that. It's so amazing how that changes and shifts everything when you tune in to the person instead of a label. So, yeah. Instead of the label yeah. of disease. And when you allow yourself to um, experience the qualities of plants rather than seeing them as repositories of constituents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not that... Not that I'm speaking against knowing about alkaloids or glycosides or terpenes or proteins or vitamins or minerals. Certainly, you know, I, too, talk about the constituents in plants and recommend um, Dr. James Duke's uh, website, uh, which has the constituents in just about any plant you can think of. It's good for us to know those things, but it's also good for us to remember that those are markers, not the actual thing. Mm-hmm. In, the sa- in the same way that I think that it's the process of making vitamin A from carotenes and carotenoids that gives us health benefits and the process of making vitamin D from the sun that gives us the health benefits. It's not the actual vitamin. I was just reading yet another story, another study, in which um, people who took beta carotene doubled their risk of lung cancer. Wow. Lung cancer. Wow. And you think, what? Beta carotene isn't an antioxidant. It is, but it's one of 2,000 carotenes and carotenoids. And we're just really not that good 
at putting together the puzzle from one piece. Yeah, the synergy of the whole is just so much more. Yes. So much more. So much more. And it's so much more in terms of how um, the plant reminds us of its consciousness and its presence. Because as we start to see the plant just as constituents and, well, you know, it's an astringent, so it does this, or it means protein, so it does that, that we really lose the personhood of the plant. On Saturday, we did a Talking with Plants class, and I often preface that class by talking about when I taught homesteading and when we gave death to a chicken in the homesteading class all of my students would show up but the next week when we gave death to a rabbit many of my students would stay home and I began to realize from listening to them and listening to other people and people talking about being vegetarian and vegan and so on that there was a hierarchy of eyes. And that mm. the closer to us the eye looked, the more personhood and therefore the more feeling and the more fellow feeling and the more protection and the more intimacy we gave to that thing. And so I had a wonderful book of photographs that a woman took almost not knowing. Like the very first one she took, she didn't know she was taking a photograph of a plant spirit. But then once she saw what she'd done, she said, let me take more. And what makes them, oh, ah, yes, to people, is they have eyes. Oh, and so once people see these pictures of the plants, with the plant spirits which have eyes, then they're willing again to see the plants as people. Mm. Yes, and that is something very special, and it is our birthright. I highly recommend anyone open to that. And it will change everything. <laughs> Our guest tonight, Dr. Adi Two Owls, is going to be telling us a lot more on this theme. She mm-hmm. wants to bust the myths of power dynamics and reminds us that everything living on the planet contributes, is consciously aware, and is part of the complex life on this planet. Nine o'clock, stay with us until then, or come on back to hear Adi to Owls. She has a lot of really important things to share with us. Do we have any people with questions tonight? 
And we do. We have a lineup of callers who have already pressed one to let us know that they have a question and would like to speak with you. Uh, we have, let's see, six callers that have pressed one. Our first caller is calling from the 352 area code. From the 352, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. How are you? Hi. Fine. And you? I'm doing well. Thank you. My question, I drove to Maine for his wedding and had the wonderful, amazing opportunity to see so much St. John's Wort in its glory, as well as Yarrow and other things. And I, I had the opportunity to stop at different parts and harvest the tops of the St. John's Wort. So you stopped and harvested some, yes? Yes. And you had vodka and oil with you so that you could make your tincture and oil right on the spot. Good plan. Correct. Correct. And what I made in the, the tinctures went red instantly. I mean, not instantly. But I mean, and the oil is still not red. It's been pretty wet. So give it a little bit of time. You know, the Northeast has really been inundated with water. And I've been picking hypericum, but. You talk about to the ladies about harvesting at different times and. and it was like only drive for a short amount of time. We actually got to get off the road, get to the park, find it. It was really wonderful how I got. There was so much St. Joe's. It was really wonderful how much it was presented to me. So I did tincture it. So you say just give it more time. Give it a little it's more time. Weeks. And in those circumstances, sometimes the oil doesn't come out very red because the plant material is wet. The vodka is wet, so you can get a better tincture than an oil because the oil really resists that wet, and it's more likely to spoil as well, of course. Oh, I've had – so would the constituents be the – Well, you know, olive oil itself, olive oil itself is a tremendous healing aid. So anything you put up in olive oil is going to work. It's going to work well. So I put a gallon up. So whether it turns red or not, it's still going to be good. It's still going to be good enough. Yes. Sweet. Thank you. I I I need that. I put up so much beautiful energy in this and turn it into a savior for the parents, the children. Good. It's, I'm so, oh, it's just been really wonderful. It's a really great plant up in the northeast right now. And the Yarwa was fabulous, and I made a huge quart of mullet flowers. But I know it was a damp time, so you're right. Thank you for answering my question. Yes. It's so delicious to open your eyes and see that the earth has opened her arms and is giving to you. 
to mountain in Short Mountain to get um, uh, the what's the the and it's, it's all it's so wild in Connecticut. I could hardly believe it was. I I was staggered that I had to find Cronewort when in Connecticut it was is that it's everywhere. It was very, very wonderful to be up there to see all these plants in their glory. Isn't it though? Oh, I I just miss uh I'm so my friends thought I was nuts because right next to their door was this two weeds and there was a crone worm. I was like, oh, some crone. It was, it was delightful. Okay, so I'll just give it some time and thank you for your time. And I'll thank, I'll just take care of this St. Jones wart. She'll be great whether she's red or not. All right. And I think it will turn redder. Thank you. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Good night. All right, and the next caller who has pressed one uh, to let us know they have a question is calling from the 812 area code. From the 812, you are live with Susan. Hello, Susan. Hi. Hey there. Um, I had a had a question about a particular herb that has come up for me in my journey, and it seems to be asking for my attention, um, and that herb is wood betony. Um, to share a little bit about my experience, I had a synchronistic experience with it the other day where I walked into an occult shop that also is an herb shop in Nashville, and um, just kind of felt drawn to the this little bag of uh, cut root herbs. Didn't really know what it was. I just picked it off of the shelf and saw that it was a little pouch of wood betony. And so I got it. And uh, the next day, or, yeah, I think it was the next day, um, I pulled a card from this uh, herbal oracle deck, uh, herbally themed oracle deck uh, that my partner has. Just pulled a card at random, and the herb that I pulled was, of course, wood betony. Um, so I don't really know much about it, and I've heard I've heard of it before, but just thought you might be able to chime in, just some some you know some knowledge about it that you feel I ought to know, and yeah. It's not a plant that I have ever used at all. Okay. I could be wrong, but I believe that I recall that there was some problem at some point about Skullcap being contaminated with wood betony. Okay. Okay. So I believe that it is mostly used magically because... It's a somewhat dangerous herb. Okay, got it. Got it. In other words, I don't think that Wood Betony is calling out to you to say, 
oh, eat me, drink me, hi. I, you know, want to uh, be in your stomach as well as in your life. Okay, okay. Okay, more on the, more on a spiritual level then. So, let's see, let's see, I have a, a book here, and this is The Lost Book of Herbal Remedies by Nicole Apelion. Um, she was on the show a few months ago, and let's okay. see, we have, are they alphabetical, P, wild, wild, Yellow, wormwood. So wood betony is not even in here. So it's it, it's certainly um, you can probably find something about wood betony, but it's not calling out to you saying, "Hey, you really need to use me." Is my sense of it? Okay. Okay. That's good to know. That's what good. what does it look like? Have you have you looked it up to see what it what it would betony actually looks like? And do you yeah, know what family it's in? I don't know what family it's in. Uh, I haven't looked I haven't looked into it deep enough uh, yet. But the uh, the the painting of it on the oracle card is. Uh, has, has tiny purple flowers on the uh, top of the stem, um, and it's kind of—I'm trying to describe it. Uh, it's kind of cylindrical, I guess, at the top. Um, but that's—that's that's the image that I have in my mind from that painting. Wood betony, also known as hedge nettle, revered throughout ancient Europe for its magical properties. Statues officinalis, and it is in the mint family. Okay, okay. It was used, it was used to cure 47 different ailments by the Romans. Over time, its use fell out of favor. Today it is rarely used in European herbalism and not used at all in American herbalism. Do not confuse oh. this with betony. Okay, betony is the one that was contaminating skullcap, uh, and it is poisonous, but wood betony is not because it's a mint. Traditionally, okay. wood betony is harvested just before it goes to flower. Today, if you're going to use betony, you probably, wood betony, you would probably use it when it's in flower, it makes a pleasant tea. It's a tonic, um, digestive tonic. All mints are digestive tonics. Um, somewhat calming. All mints are calming, good for the nervous system. All mints are good for the nervous system. Improves memory and concentration, like all mints do. It's supposedly better than ginkgo for the memory. Oh, wow. Especially good if you're in a stressful situation that requires you to focus. It was used for protection, to bring prophetic dreams, and to ease internal conflict. It's especially useful for those who are too spacey and not connected to their body. 
And then this site, the Integrated Family Medicine site, suggests one part linden, half part wood betony, half part passiflora, and a pinch of mugwort as a tea for having prophetic dreams. Oh. oh, what book is this, Maria? So I'm glad I got it straightened out between Betany and Wood Betany. <laughs> right, right. Look, thank you. That's 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 super helpful. I was I was wondering what book that is, because um, that was my iPad. Okay. <laughs> I just asked Siri okay. to look it up for me. Yes. You know, um, I'm going. Uh, it's herbal. And yeah, I just put. And uh, I just yep. touched the very first site that she offered me, and that was Integrated Family Medicine. And okay. since since I know about mints, and said what, and because what it said agrees with all the things that I know about mints, then okay. um, it does not seem like they have any particular uh, drum to beat there. They're not trying to sell you with betony. They're just sharing yeah. information that they have about it. So it, it's a trustworthy enough source for the information that we want tonight. Got it, got it. And, uh, yeah, I think the, the the themes about it, I guess spiritually and its uses um, that stick out to me are the uh, parts about a remedying internal conflict and specifically – uh, grounding in the herbal deck, in the book that comes with it, but what Betty they talk about its use for uh, for protecting uh, against evil spirits and grounding in particular. Yeah, I know, and it said that what I was reading too. But you know what? There aren't any evil spirits, and I'm not going to propagate that kind of paranoia. Okay, I got you, got you. I mean, well, right, right. I, uh, I guess historically, in the Greco-Roman culture, is how historically, uh, yes. But let's yeah. let's not and give it any verbal space, okay? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, 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 um, no mental I, space, no verbal space. We don't need that. It helps right. us. Let's focus on that part okay. of it. Okay, right. yeah, you're right, you're right. All right, well, hey, if you find out something special about Wood Bentley that you want to share with us, call back at some point and let us know, okay? Yes, absolutely. All right. Green blessings. Good night. Thank you. All right. We have three callers that have pressed one to queue up and let you know that we have a question coming in from them. Our next caller is calling from the 845 area code. From the 845, you are live with Susan. Hello. Sarah Ellen, that call didn't go through. Let's see. We have another caller who is calling from the 778 area code. From 778, you are live, Susan. Hello, Susan. Can you hear me? Hi. Hi. I can. My, awesome. My name's JC. I'm calling from the Kootenays in British Columbia. Um, something neat I just wanted to share uh, was, well, first of all, I'm so grateful to all that you offer. I've been listening for uh, about, probably about a year and a half now, drinking nourishing herbal infusions every day for a year and a half now, and have 
wow, changed my life. And the plants have been so, so helpful to me and nourishing to me and my husband as well. And next Tuesday, I believe, is Lamas, and I will be going to a celebration with Vanessa Phillips, who apparently apprenticed with you. I'm not sure when. I haven't met her yet, but I'm very excited to live around other wise women. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Give her a big hug from me. I love Vanessa, yeah. That was quite a while ago, but that's, that's okay, you know? Yeah, she also hosts monthly moon lodges, which I'm very excited to beginning to begin attending next month. Wonderful! Um, Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so my question tonight is actually also about St. Joan's Wort Tincture. This is my second season making, um, working with her and making tinctures from 100 Proof Vodka, and something happened last year to my tincture, and it's seeming to happen again this year. So, you know, dry, clean jar, brought my 100 Proof Vodka into the field with me, um, this year I harvested during a heat wave, so there was no, you know, danger of moisture. Um, chopped it up on site and poured my, uh, filled the jar about, I had about an inch and a half of room at the top. Did not pack it down, just lightly layered, like a bed for a fairy, which I just love when you say that. Um, so it's been, that was on summer solstice, so it's been just about six weeks for my fresh flowering tincture. And I just noticed yesterday that are, there are some tiny white floaties forming. They're like the size of a pinhead, some a little bigger, some a little smaller. Pollen. Pollen. What is that? Pollen. You know what pollen is. Oh, pollen. I heard an H-A. Those are flowers. That's pollen. pollen. Okay, I had a feeling. I was like, are they seeds? Are they pollen? Awesome. Pollen. So that's a, no, so I want to go no back how full you're filling jar because it doesn't sound sure. to me like you're putting enough, does not sound to me like you're putting enough plant material in. Okay. So it was a quart jar. A fairy jar. bed means if you don't put enough in, the fairy falls through. Ah, true. Okay. So you do have to pack it down. Oh, Okay. And pack I'm not sure why you're leaving an inch and a half of space at the top. Okay, so pack it down and all the way to the top. Absolutely. I would, okay. I would guess that you have half as much plant material in that jar as you need. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. I will do more next season. Actually, there's still some flowering, so maybe I could squeeze in one more batch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um the fairy mattress goes both ways. We don't want mm-hmm. it to be a futon. <laughs> there should be a little spring to it, but neither do we want the fairy to fall through. Mm, I hear you, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not there, but just from what you said, it sounded like, hmm, and especially that troublesome inch and a half at the top. Okay, Yep. Because flower material tends to float up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And okay. so it, I find it better to use a jar that has a shoulder. Mm-hmm. And that, help, that helps keep it down. Oh, and yeah. to bring the plant material up as close as I can easily get it to the top. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. 
I will do that next yeah. year. And, and, I have, and yeah. just a reminder to us all, it's really hard to do herbal medicine wrong. These are all just like little, totally. you know, things that we get involved in because we'd like to, you know, see what's going on and this and that. And it's okay. And But any way that it's done, it's going to work. Mm-hmm. And it's already a it's not like, dark red. Yes, it's not like these are life and death issues that we're talking about here. And that's kind of been the theme of the year. Like, okay, you know, when do we harvest? Well, we harvest at this time and this time. But if we can't, we harvest at this time and this time. <laughs> <laughs> right? And we get to plant when it hasn't <laughs> rained. But if it rains every day, well, then you do what you have to do. Right? And hopefully you have, you know, enough extra from the previous year because you make two years worth each year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, yeah. as we know, once you know how incredible it is and you see the earth saying, take me, take me, it's hard to say no to her. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. She's been such a wonderful ally for me in so many ways. So I'm, yeah, I ran out. I was, I shorted myself last year, so will not repeat that. <laughs> This year. <laughs> it's a yes. it's a tincture that one can take a lot of pretty easily. It, yes, exactly. Oh, thank you. I have one more question. If there's yes, time, what, what's one of what's one of your what's one of your favorite Ooh. ways to use your tincture? Hmm. Let's see. Well, I have been for about a year. Uh, some TM like jaw pain, tension in my jaw around some areas of really high stress in my life. I definitely hold tension there in my jaw. Um, and St. Jones Warren Tincture, I had to, like, find the right dose for myself. So three dropperfuls was perfect for me, and it was the only thing that would relieve that tension in my jaw. So that was a huge use for me this, this past year. And just the general sore muscles, like overexerting myself in the garden, take it before uh, before bed, and then just amazing no sore muscles the next day it is amazing that way isn't it mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> yay perforatum. thank you for being there for us thank you for making us feel better in our bodies in so many ways mm-hmm. and the smell is just so incredible too the taste the ah, smell it is. all the senses <laughs> Uh, thank yes. you for sharing that. I, there are oh. a lot of people who hold tension thank in their you. jaw, and they're all going, mm-hmm. and she took three dropperfuls? Oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. I would never do that. You know, but I have also found that with hypericum, sometimes you can take a big dose depending on what you need. Mm-hmm. And then and then I wouldn't have to do it. Like, I would take that dose, and it, it would... Sometimes that would be it. Like, it would actually take away the tension for, for weeks, if not months. Uh, so it wasn't, like, every day, three job It was just a couple times. It worked really well. Oh, fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> yes. I have one more question if there's time. I think there is. Okay. So, as I mentioned, I live in the West Kootenays, and we're we're in full-on forest fire season right now, and... Um, yeah, there's actually a pretty massive fire just behind our house that we can see at night, which is quite wild <laughs> to see from the Oh, window. my goodness. Yeah, and we're not in danger of evacuation yet. 
We're watching. We're waiting. We're prepared. Um, but the air quality right now where we live is the worst in Canada. So we're, we're, um, we're not spending very much time outside these days. Um, and drinking our nourishing herbal infusions every day. Uh, but we're wondering if there's any allies that could be useful right now just to support our lungs, our liver, um, mullen milk, definitely. I haven't done that in a while, so that I will be brewing up <laughs> for sure. Um, yes, but I, just if I anything think else, you're right on with the mullen milk. Mm-hmm. And um, our breath is the breath of the plant. Mm. And there's something about deepening your practice of breathing with the plants when mm. the plants are burning. Mm, yes. It will be revealed to you. I can just kind of catch a glimmer of it. Mm. But we mm-hmm. practice breathing with the plants. And your breathing with the burning plants will benefit your lungs. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to be, but the plants will make it clearer to you. Mm. Mm. Well, I will do that and feel that and share an update of whatever is revealed to me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Susan. Green blessing. Sending so much Green love blessing. to you. I, I hope to meet you someday soon. <laughs> thank you. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. All right. And there are three callers with their hands raised. And let's try this 845 call again. From the 845 you are live with Susan. Can you hear us in the 845? All right. Uh, we will move on uh, to the next caller from the 650 area code. From the 650, you are live with Susan. Hello, Susan. Thank you for taking my Hi. Hi. It's so nice to hear your voice. Thank um, you. <laughs> What's up tonight? I just got out of the ER last night um, over a a slight scare of uh, chest pain, um, and I thought it was better to go than not to go in the moment. Um, And so I'm glad that I went because uh, I was not having a heart attack, and I I took copious amounts of motherwort, (laughs) per your advice. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I... I've been going through a lot of stress uh, for uh, many weeks, and um, what did surprise me in the test results from the ER was uh, an elevated. Um, he he suggested that uh, my my thyroid hormone is too high, and that I might be hypothyroid. I'm not necessarily buying into that story, which is why I'm calling you. Um, I was wondering if you could remind me. Um, what uh, what natural ways um, can help keep the thyroid healthy? Yes. Thank you. You know, 
interestingly enough, one of the things that's most important for thyroid health is iodine. And mm-hmm. a great number of people have adopted the habit of using sea salt, which doesn't generally contain enough iodine. Right, yes. Oh, right, yes. I forget that. Thank so, you. Ryan Drum suggests more seaweed in the diet to make up that iodine deficit. And I did a teleseminar with him sometime back, but I think it, that um, a recording of that is still available, um, okay. in which he in which he talks about the thyroid. And mm-hmm. also, if you have a copy of my book, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, um, before I wrote about the thyroid, and there's a four or five page chapter about the thyroid in New Menopausal Years, um, I interviewed uh, Ryan and listened to very carefully to what he had to say about mm. that. Um, things that people might avoid because they lower thyroid hormone levels, you might want to see if they would help lower your thyroid levels. Raw things in the cabbage family. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. That's, uh, that's, thank you. (laughs) I mean, I knew, I what you said about cabbage is something I actually raw, I avoid. I hadn't thought of using it to my advantage. Right. <laughs> because you wanted to do that bad thing, which is lower your thyroid levels, right? Right. That's okay. Right. <laughs> yes, thank you. I would, I, that would not have occurred to me. That's fantastic. Okay. Um, and then uh, again, if you have a copy of, of New Menopausal Years, uh, there are four or five pages and other options there as well. I have an older copy. I had intended to get your new... You have, you have menopausal years, not new menopausal years. Correct. I actually ordered the wrong one. And there is no section on thyroid in that. Okay, excellent. So I will... Um, I, my, I had intended to, to order the new one, so I will do that. Um, I, just, I actually just got, just got the other one. So um, I also from a wanted user, to... Or not from me. Correct, correct. absolutely, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Um, and it's lovely to have it's lovely to have that one. Um, one of my uh, past apprentices, who's a single mom and uh, you know really low income, said you know, she decided what to do. She was going to just go to the library and sit with new menopausal years and her copy of menopausal years and just make whatever changes. And she said, you know, four hours later she was on page four and she said, okay, I get it. I give up. I, you have to get new menopausal years. It's really a very different book. Yes, yes, okay, well, I'm so, okay, I, I, yes, I'm low income yeah. as well, but, but I, I'll take care of that. I, I ordered the okay, wrong one. Okay, wonderful. Maybe, maybe somebody can gift it to you for llamas. I, I will work it out. Um, I, I did have wonderful. one other clarification about, um, yes. I believe, I'm trying to remember what you have said about uh, if someone takes thyroid medicine, um, you know, the the standard pharmaceutical solution to a hypothyroid. Uh-huh. Did I? My memory says that that you had you had pointed out that once you start taking that 
you can't stop in because you you permanently altered your body's capacity to make. Um, no. To, no. Okay. No. Can, no. Am I? Can you no. remind me? I know me quite of, a few women who have taken thyroid hormone um, mm-hmm. for an underactive thyroid, right? Okay. And you're being told your thyroid is overactive, which is a different thing. And no, 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 they no, 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 were no, 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 able to. I'm being told underactive, hypo. Oh, I thought you said overactive. It's probably the phone. Oh, so I should cross out the cabbage because that's right. So absolutely right. Right. Okay. Right. No, I'm being so, told hypo, slightly hypo. So fucus is the seaweed that Ryan most recommends, and in the book, specific dosages are given. And I've known quite a few women who have taken thyroxin and armor thyroid, who have mm-hmm. moved off of that and on to the fucus and who have even stabilized their thyroid enough that they don't have to take the fucus all the time either. Oh, fantastic. Okay. I don't know what I thought I heard from you or someone else about once you take that medicine, your thyroid will never be able to do it itself. Okay. That's wrong then. Yeah. So far as I know, that's quite wrong. Okay. I very right. much appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Susan. Please have a wonderful You're welcome. Evening. Green blessing. Green blessing. Thank you. All right. And there are two callers that have pressed one to signal that they have a question. Our next caller is calling from the 951 area code. From the 951, you are live with Susan. Hello. Hi. Hello. What's up tonight? Hi. Hi, um, okay, so I have a two-year-old who um, just recently came down with a runny nose, and last night he was coughing, and it kind of startled me because it was really dry, a dry cough. Um, Woke up this morning, he has a constant runny nose, and uh, but no cough, so I don't know, I'm wondering what uh, maybe some tinctures that I could give him, but in addition to that, um, when I give him tinctures, he spits them out. So I'm wondering if you had any tricks for giving little ones tinctures. When we are young, the immune system has to learn how to deal with things in the environment, such as rhinoviruses. And so children tend to get colds. And the healthier the child is, in fact, the more frequently they will get colds as their immune system takes on things to learn about. It's not necessary to treat the cold or the symptoms of the cold in a child unless Um, there's an extremely high fever, like a fever of 103 or 104, or unless the child has a racking cough that's keeping everybody up all night. Michelle and I were were just talking about overheating and overcooling colds today. And the contrast between overheating and overcooling comes by way of five-element theory. 
it's something that's used in Chinese medicine, this idea that our bodies can overheat or can overcool and that we can um, do the opposite to it come back to uh, the center. So the symptoms of cooling are fluids, a runny nose, whereas the symptom of overheating is a lack of fluids, stuffed up nose. Okay. So when we're cooling, when we have a runny nose, our eyes may also water, we may urinate more frequently, our bowels may be a little looser, everything may just loosen up because of the overcooling. And this is a good time to offer warm things, chicken soup, hot tea with honey. Okay. And offering these warming things when someone is overcooling will often be enough to just tilt that back into the range. And again, what's happening here is that the immune system is learning something. So we don't necessarily need to do anything about it, at least from what you're saying. It doesn't sound like the child is having a really strong reaction to what's going on, but a pretty mild reaction. Yeah, yeah, because he hasn't gotten a fever. Yeah. Yes. And, um, you know, perhaps more quiet games than running around games. But as, as you and the child see fit, and if the child's appetite is a little different or wants different things to eat for a day or two, see if you can go with that. See if... If um, if the innate wisdom there can help guide you to how to help your child. So what I'm saying is that your child knows how to be well and get well. And you don't have to give your child tinctures, and especially not if your child is spitting them out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right, then. All right. Okay. So I just I need to cool yeah. it as well. <laughs> yes, yes. I just yes, need to yes. cool it and let and take care of him and he'll be fine in no time. Absolutely. Okay. You're being an excellent mom. Alrighty, and I have one more question if if there's time. Sure. I think there is. Okay. So he's um two years old and he doesn't like to brush his teeth quite often. And I'm still nursing. And he's developed, like, I think it's, I don't know, it's like brown on the tops and the fronts of his teeth, maybe like a cavity. I'm wondering if there's yeah. anything that I could put on him. Yeah, like you a, need to take him to the dentist and have that cavity dealt with. Okay, we have an appointment. We do have an appointment to take him I to the dentist. I am so glad to hear that. It can be really <laughs> difficult to get children to brush their teeth. 
I don't know if they still make them, but they used to make a toothbrush that you could stick on your finger like a finger puppet. Yes. Yeah. And children are happier with that than they are with a toothbrush on the end of a stick. Yeah. They feel more in control of it, you know. Their motor control is still not really good, and it's kind of scary to put that stick in your mouth. Yeah, I could see that. Okay. All righty. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Bring blessings. Good night. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. And I'll remind everyone listening, if you have a question for Susan, please do press 1 so that we know that you would like to come on the line. Um, right now, we have two callers that have their hands raised, I believe. We have the caller from the 352 um, who has pressed 1 again. From the 352, you're live with Susan. Do you have another question? Yes, I do. Hi. Hi, Susan. Thank, thank you. I just, I was, when I was up there in the um, Connecticut area, I found Lobelia and Flata. And I, a couple, maybe a year ago, I talked to you about um, in Lobelia cardinalis, but this is the one that helps you to quit smoking, which I, I have to admit, I've been seven days off of some American Spirit cigarettes. And I did tincture this. Good for you. Thank you. So you made some tincture. I've been on and off. I, I, you said I had my oils, you know, I did. So I found it, uh-huh. and it was in Florida. Uh-huh. And so you made some Lobelia in Florida tincture of the plant in flower. I did. Uh-huh. And you used the whole you used the whole top part of the plant. I did. Yes, hundred proof. And, Great. And sounds, uh, it was just sounds perfect. The, the cheapest vodka, hundred proof vodka, because hundred proof vodka is hundred proof vodka. Correct. Correct. So how would I? So I'm seven days, and I've been allying. I I got the patch, but I cut it into quarters. It helps me to keep thinking about it, so oh, I really want to get off these cigarettes. I go on and off. Like, I'd be on off a year and on for two or three and then off another year. So I yeah, somebody said to me, somebody said to me, quitting smoking is really easy. I've done it seven times. Uh, right. I say I just stop smoking instead of quitting because it's, it sounds more truthful. Sometimes what you need is to give yourself something to smoke that is not tobacco. As in Mullen or Damiana? Or anything, corn silk even. Ah, nice. Yes, that's true. Because if I, uh, like, I, cannabis, if I, uh, yes, I'm not, I just, I just can smoke something. I know, it sounds kind of lame, but it's true. Smoking is one of the most truly human things we do. No other living thing on this planet plays with fire, inhales, burns herbs, 
in their homes. That is big magic in many cultures. Only the medicine people and the postmenopausal women are considered powerful enough to be able to smoke. Well, I always started smoking after I was 50 years old. So find yourself something to smoke that's good for you. How about, tell me about what I harvested, though, this Lobelia inflata. I, I did tincture it, and so huh? what would the that The tincture do? is usually used to make people throw up. Well, I, will, I have a story for you. Right. Uh, pukeweed is one of its true, names. It's pukeweed. It's called pukeweed. pukeweed. Yes, we were, and, uh, we were talking to it on Saturday at the Talking with Plants workshop because there is a lot of lobelia in Flata this year and growing close to people. I see it every year, but I have never seen it growing so close to people as it is this year. My understanding is that the traditional use to help you quit smoking was to dry the leaves and chew on a leaf, and then if you smoke tobacco, it makes you nauseated. But you could try like rubbing a little of the tincture on your wrists or putting a drop of the tincture under your tongue when you're craving cigarettes. And you could even experiment and see if, when you do that, if you light a cigarette and smell it, do you feel nauseated? You don't even have to bring it to your mouth. Just see how you're reacting to it. Lobelia is also called the Indian tobacco, and that's because it was an herb that native people smoked. True. Right? All over the world, yes. indigenous people smoke. Not everybody got My to metallurgy. Was with, Not everybody got to pottery, it. but everybody got to smoking. Mm. Well, it There's is nobody anywhere, even in the deep Amazon, who didn't figure out smoking. It's, it's a draw, for sure. And. My understanding is that small amounts of burning plants taken into the lungs have a healing effect on the lungs. That somehow smoking has gotten a bad name because of the problems with smoking, not just tobacco, but commercialized tobacco. Store-bought commercial right on not just store bought but factory farmed well i mean true I mean, so it just goes the problems go, go on and on we were reading this weekend about why people aren't really gluten sensitive but are sensitive to what's going on because of the way the wheat is being handled and because people want soft whole wheat bread, which is a real oxymoron, so they add more refined gluten to the flour to make it softer, and then people react to that and think, oh, I'm reactive to gluten. No, you're reactive to a refined product that was added to that bread. Not the natural gluten, because the wheat contains a variety of substances that deal with the gluten that's in the wheat. 
But then when you add extra gluten, there's not enough of those substances to go around. Thank you. My next you are thought welcome. would be. Thank you. Here's my next thought, if, if I may. Sure. You say that a breastfed child can never. Constipation is not what kills. Diarrhea is what kills. People are Correct. concerned about constipation and bloating, and I say constipation. You cannot. It's going to we get committed to that feeling of bloating and constipation when it's not true. My daughter showed me a picture of a Chinese man who I think hadn't had a bowel movement in several years, and they operated on him and removed pounds and pounds of waste, but he wasn't bloated. So I agree with you that um, being bloated usually means that you're producing gas. And we know that there are certain foods that encourage the production of gas in the intestines. And we also know, but we don't talk about it nearly to the same extent, that there is a microbiome in the gut, and it is that microbiome uh, which literally are, is the things living in the gut and eating stuff in your gut that makes that gas. And when your microbiome is healthier, you make less gas. I've been so delighted this summer that I can eat all the salad with wild plants that I want and that I can eat cooked kale a year ago soon after the surgery on my intestines, my body was not willing to accept any of that. It said, no, oh, absolutely not. We, we do not have the flora left to deal with wild salads or any kind of raw food. We do not have the flora here to deal with anything in the cabbage family. You're just going to have to wait until we get better supplied. And so here I am a year later, you know, and wow, it's so wonderful to see the reward for not pushing myself to try to eat things because my mind said they were good when my body said, not now. And that's why you're 100 years old, Susan. Well, not quite, but hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> my vegan so homeopath time. said to me yesterday. My vegan homeopath said to me yesterday, "Your body needs more meat. You should be eating a lot more meat." <laughs> oh my goodness! You're like, so should I just get that fattened calf and eat it all week long? Because I'm down. I love meat. <laughs> I mean. And, 
Blessed be. Blessed be. We do now have a caller that has uh, pressed one and has a question for you. Are you ready for our caller? Yes. All right, wonderful. Our next caller is calling from the 435 area code. From the 435, you are live with Susan. Hello, Susan. Hi. Hi. Good to speak with you this evening. Um, Right now I am walking on this beautiful river bed trail with my dog and noticing mullein and chicory and yellow dock all around me. So, you know, speaking of the earth offering itself to you, that's very clear to me this year especially. Um, This year especially I've noticed a phenomenal amount of yellow dock where I live. And I've never paid too much attention to yellow dock before. And um, it has really caught my attention this year with this beautiful um, burnished burnished brown um, stalks and flowers. And I kind of wanted to ask what you would think of using yellow dock for. Well, let me reel back just a little bit. The brown seeds, the flowers are green. Oh, okay. Okay. So when it's so what you're seeing are the are the seed stalks of the yellow dock. Correct. And yes. yellow yes. dock is, is a general name. Dock, meaning big leaf. So if we okay. have a plant mm-hmm. with burrs and big leaves, we call it burr dock. And yes. if we and have a plant with, well. with yellow roots and big leaves, we call it yellow dock. And uh-huh. all yellow docks are rumex, but there are at least five species of rumex that are called yellow dock. Oh. Herbalists okay. usually cite rumex crispus, the curly dock, which has a rather narrow leaf that is indeed curly or wavy on the edge. Rumex of Tussifolia, the broad dock, is the more common dock. I would say for every Rumex crispus, there might be a hundred Rumex of Tussifolia. Okay. Rumex of Tussifolia likes it very much in cities and will often colonize uh, roadsides and parks and riversides and, and so on like that. The okay. leaf of the Tussifolia is broader, a little wavy on the edge, but not really wavy curly like the yellow dock is, the uh, curly dock is, I mean, and mm-hmm. often has a reddish stripe in the middle. It's Rumex, down the middle of the week. Yes. Rumex okay. aquaticus, which grows where it's wet, aquaticus, meaning the watery one, always has a red stripe down the middle. Looks a lot like Rumexifolia, but it grows in much wetter places. Okay. Rumex, Rumex patientia, which I have never met but only read about, is like the curly dock in having a long, narrow leaf, but no curl on it. Okay. 
And Rumex Mexicana is generally found in warmer climates. All of the yellow docks are considered to be about the same, although the individual species and the individual plants will have more or less of a particularly active compound that really gets your gut going. So the primary... None of those species All of those species. Okay. None of them would be harmful. There, There isn't a Rumex that's harmful so far as I know. Okay, great. Rumex acetosella is sheep sorrel. Uh, Rumex acetosa is garden sorrel. Oh, okay, okay, I, that makes sense. Right. So the yeah, the Rumexes are you know well represented in uh, human salads uh, for their sal- wonderful sour tastes and their crisp leaves. Mm-hmm. And herbalists generally use yellow dock for two primary purposes. One, it does encourage parasitosis. It's not a laxative. In other words, it doesn't make you have a bowel movement, but it encourages bowel movements. People who say they have problems being regular love yellow dock and may take a daily dose of yellow dock so that they have a daily bowel movement. I don't necessarily think the daily bowel movement is important, but if it's important to you and you're not doing it without assistance, then Yellow Dock is the only safe assistance that I know of. The actual herbal laxatives like Senna and Cascara are um, considered unsafe by just about everybody. The idea that causing people to have copious bowel movements will get rid of toxins or will get rid of bad humors, I think, has pretty much come to the gruesome end that it deserves, which is is not not true at all. So the other yeah, the other really important use of yellow dot is that it allows iron that's in the body to be utilized by the blood. So this is especially useful during pregnancy. Once you get to the fourth month of pregnancy, the amount of blood in the pregnant woman's body expands. And that expansion of the blood dilutes the amount of iron that's available in the blood. And at that point, some pregnant women feel really tired and exhausted, all right? Iron deficiency anemia. And they're often given an iron supplement. The difficulty with iron supplements is they cause constipation. And if you're pregnant, the last thing you want is to be given an iron supplement that's going to make you constipated. Our friend Yellow Dock increases iron safely in pregnant women and, aha, yes, indeed, encourages peristalsis, so is, shall we say, the opposite of uh, a constipating agent. So Yellow Dock is very beloved by 
pregnant women and midwives who are helping those women. I was walking with a farmer. We were going out to cut some firewood, and we were walking past this apple orchard. And I said, look at all the yellow duck you have in that orchard. He said, mm-hmm. He says, it's so good for iron. And my mouth kind of gaped open. I looked at him, and I said, oh, I didn't know you were an herbalist. He says, I'm not an herbalist. I said, well, you just told me one of the best uses of yellow duck. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, you just told me that it's useful for iron. He said, that's right. I let it grow in the apple orchard because it helps the apple trees to absorb iron, and it makes them less prone to disease. Well, that is so interesting. Isn't that Um, amazing? That is amazing. Isn't that amazing? Oh, my goodness. I'm not um, pregnant myself, but I do have chronic iron absorption issues um, that I know through some blood testing I've done with my naturopath. And so that's very interesting to me that Yellow Doc has kind of made itself known to me this year. And um, yes. I might try um, experimenting with her. Would you recommend yes. um, um, a tincture? She can be Doc? used as a tincture of the root okay. that's the strongest um, a form of it. She can be used as a vinegar of the root or a vinegar okay. of the seeds. Do, do remember that the seeds are dried and don't fill your jaw all the way full or it will break because the seeds will expand. Okay. Even though they're on the plant, they're dried. Um, okay, yes. With the, yes. Um, and yellow you, dog seeds ever- are also known as wild buckwheat, and if you can get the hulls out of them, they can be ground and made into pancakes. Oh, okay. It's I did really that hard to get before. them unhulled, so. Yeah. <laughs> I have <laughs> bags and bags of yellow duck seeds that apprentices have harvested and left behind because they couldn't get the hulls off. Yeah, I imagine they're quite small. That'd be hard. Um, yeah. Now, two more quick questions. Um, in creating a tincture, is it appropriate to use the seeds and the root together? And my second question would be, what's the best way to harvest yellow duck root? I like to harvest roots when the weather gets cold. Okay. I think of the energy of the plant going down into the root at that time. Okay, so give it a few more months before I go out. So that's that's what I usually do in terms of harvesting roots. Okay. But one of the themes that we've been talking about over the past month or so is that if you have a special need, then you throw the rule book aside. If you need it now, you go out and you say to the yellow duck, I need you now. Can I come and dig up your root next week? Will you you work with me now? Okay. Because the rule book is just the rule book, and our need is what's happening right now. Um, and then with the seeds and the root together, would you ever tincture those together? Would that be appropriate, or would they, would you do that separate? Well, I just made a plantain oil in which I used the root, the stalk, the leaf, the flower, and the seed. And okay. so I okay. do sometimes do whole plant remedies. So that's okay. what I would think is what's wrong with the middle. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true, the stock. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, and they are different than a remedy made just from a certain part of the plant. That's true. 
Well, this was so informative. Thank you so much, Susan. I'm I'm 31 next week, and I've been listening to your wisdom for quite a long time. I was in my early 20s when I first found you, and I was just thinking back the other day all the great wisdom that I've acquired, and I was like, oh, that that was from Susan, and that was from Susan, and that was from Susan, and all this great wisdom has come from one person, and that's just incredible. So thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so honored that you've given me that position in your life. Blessed be. Thank you. Green blessings. All right. And we do not have a caller that has raised their hand with a question. However, our guest is with us on the line. Um, what would you like to do? Welcome to the show, Adi Two Owls. Adi Two Owls is a practicing healer. Her methodology is shamanism. Her PhD is in therapeutic counseling and philosophy. Her research is into the positive effectiveness of traditional healing methods on mental, physical health. Adi is an artist, and she makes sacred tools, instruments, and things that facilitate ceremony, healing, and personal discovery. Adi has traveled all over North America and places beyond as a teacher and a researcher seeking to expose herself to the wealth of knowledge that the earth is offering and seeking solutions to the challenges we all face as we live here on this planet. Welcome to the show, Adi. Thank you, Susan. I'm I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You are so welcome. I was telling people at the beginning of the show that you were going to help us bust through the myths of power dynamics hierarchy and remind us that we're all in this together. Yeah, I mean, I think that's been, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, like, you know, since I sort of woke up 30 years ago. And, and I've always been questioning, like, why do we do the things we do the way we do them? And, and why do we continue to do them when we know they don't work or when we find that they um, limit us in our ability to communicate with the world around us? So um, it's one of the things I say is that the earth is having a conversation. And for some reason, somewhere along the line, human beings forgot that we're supposed to participate in this conversation. We're part of this this sort of problem-solving minutia that is the creative aspect of the planet we live on. And, and I think that's kind of where we're at right now is how do we um, connect and, and make ourselves have a meaningful conversation with this world around us that's clearly adapting and changing to the climate, partially because of us, partially because, you know, the world goes through phases and changes. The earth goes, you know, so there's a lot going on right now. Um, and, it starts with us really paying attention to the world that we're in, like being aware and awake. And I mean, that has many different levels and qualities and things like that. So, um, so I, I guess where I first started with, with this was sort of saying, you know, um, when we go into something we call sacred space, how do we do that? Normally we have a methodology. We say east is this and west is this and north and south is this. And, and these are all traditionally laid out sort of, pathways and ceremonial diagrams that we 
draw it on the So what if we went into a space and instead of sort of putting our our idea of, of what um, we think sacred space should look like, what if we went in and we actually had a conversation we said, well, where does air reside? Where does earth reside? Where does water reside? And we actually began to create conversation and dialogue within the sacred space. And then we built ceremony around that. So that's sort of like the first um, sort of beginnings of sort of breaking down our, 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 our um, you know, colonizing methods, I think, is, is, a, is, a, is an accurate description because we go in and, and we, ask, we ask and we tell space to do something for us. And we often do it in a, in a rather commanding um, kind of way. And we forget that it's all about collaboration and coordination and cooperation and communication. So, um, so those are some of the things that, uh, that, that you know, I've, I've been working on for a long time is how do we, how do we move beyond what we think we know into, you know, um, this rich planet we have, which I think is full of um, struggles right now, but also there's a tremendous amount of potential for us to change direction and also to evolve, you know. Um, and, and I think you know, that's part of the, the magic of, of being born right now on this planet. Like you spoke earlier, there's a, a tremendous amount of abundance, and there really is. There's a tremendous amount of abundance in what the planet can offer us and what we can learn from it um, if we're willing to adapt and, and see differently, approach it differently. You are working to redefine plant medicine. Tell us more about that, please. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to confess I am not an herbalist. Um, but I am fascinated by plants. I, I have my, my family are farmers, traditional farmers. They grew up in, in Connecticut and it's on my mom's side. So, you know, digging around the dirt and making things grow and producing food um, has always been part of my, 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 life, my life. You know, I think I, I am fascinated by what comes out of the soil. I think seeds are the most amazing thing that is ever produced on the planet. Um, but I look at all these dynamic forces, because that's really what it is. It's like, you know, when the seed bursts open, that, that, is, that is a tremendous amount of force. It's like a singularity in the universe. All the information of the plant is in there, um, and it bursts forward and, and becomes this plant. All the genetic material is there that becomes this plant or this tree or whatever. Um, and, and where we're at right now in the sort of biology, uh, our understanding of, of the bio, biology of the plant is that we, we realize that plants communicate with, Things like pheromones and chemistry and things like that, and and this is awakening this understanding of, of plants. To me, opens up a new way of communicating with them. So there's, you know, you probably if you've ever gardened, you probably had a, a bunch. If you've ever grown broccoli, you know, you're like you might have one broccoli plant that's being completely decimated by moth, and the other three or four that are around it are not. Well, that's because the one that was being eaten um, changed its chemistry and created a pheromone sort of cloud, and it told all the other broccolis that this particular bug was eating it. And so the, those broccolis changed the chemistry so it would not be uh, desirable to the plant, um, to the bug. So if we, if we understand this about plants, then maybe we can, instead of, um, you know, ingesting or, um, or you know, um, smoking or whatever, not that these things aren't useful, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do them, I'm just saying... Once we go beyond that, 
and we have a different kind of relationship with the plant. So let's say um, we want to have a relationship with the dandelion. So instead of going and ingesting, what if we sat by the dandelion and we had a really heartfelt connection to that plant? We said, look, you know, my liver doesn't feel so great right now. Maybe you can share some of your, your essence. And instead of eating the plant, it actually sends you a pheromone that you breathe in. And that is the medicine. These are the things I'm you know, I'm beginning to sort of explore as we understand more about how plants work and how plants think and how plants are present in the world. And what they I don't think plants think like that at all. As a matter of fact, I think that really? that is colonialization right there. Really? So tell me more. Why do you think Plants that? want to be in our bodies. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying that. They, they are should, substance. That's not the point. And they don't want the whole word, you know where the word essence came from? The word essence came from Plato, who said, the essence is the true thing and it is unchanging. Therefore, women have no essence because they always change. So I'm quite down on the idea of there being an essence to a thing. I know my work with the plants, that the plants want to be embodied in us. They don't just want us thinking about them. They actually want to be and ingested directly. It's very important. Well, I'm not saying, I did not dismiss that. I said that that is important. Okay, I said I must have misunderstood you. The connection is not the absolute best. You're a little fuzzy. No, I thought I'm you said that what you were going to say to Dandelion was my liver needs some help, and then we were just going to kind of contemplate each other. Not no, that you were no. going to harvest the I'm Dandelion talking, and make I'm, a I'm talking, No, I'm talking about the, actual, the way that plants communicate with each other. What if we found common language using the pheromones and the chemistry that the plant already emits to other plants? I'm, I'm talking about actually... Because our pheromones and our chemistry is quite different. We're mammals, and they're not. As a matter of fact, when I'm teaching people to talk with plants, I say, you will know when the plant is speaking to you because it will be so different than anything you would personally think because they live in a way that you do not live and that you cannot live. Mm -hmm. Right, absolutely. And And I'm not saying, and I'm not disputing that at all. I'm, yeah. well, I'm, all I'm saying is that we have an opportunity to go deeper into our understanding of how plants communicate and meeting them in that place of communication and maybe opening up a whole other sense of how we communicate with them, how we work with them, a, a, a different kind of cooperation, a different kind of collaboration. I think it's really important what you're saying and that it's really important for us to actually hear from the plants. And I was actually mentioning this weekend, teaching a, a Talking with Plants class, that I've been teaching uh, Talking with Plants since 1976, and that um, it continues to be very difficult to get people to get out of their own heads and to really get into something that is even more foreign than a foreign language. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree with you. I think we have to try things that are different because right now we keep doing the same thing over and over again and at times expecting different results, and that doesn't often happen. 
So I think the opportunity now is to see what is possible. What is the potential of where and we, we got to this place, which is a pretty amazing place for human beings, and it's got its challenges and it definitely has its trouble. But I think, you know, part of it is we are evolving in an ecology of, of, of living plants and animals and resources and things like that around us. So, you know, how do we take this further? How do we how do we how well, do we go further into Especially important what you're saying in indigenous mm-hmm. communities, because I find that in most indigenous communities, um, mm-hmm. there's a, a very beautiful acceptance of the abundance mm-hmm. of the earth um, without a modern ecological sense. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that if we do listen to the plants, and I often say to people, one of the very first things that we can learn from plants is if they're growing close to us to be used, if they're growing far away, they don't want to be used. And if we had been listening to golden seal, it wouldn't be threatened now because we wouldn't have used it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I really, you know, really I hear what you're saying, and I very much agree with you. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm also like, you know, I, I often look at like plants that are growing in what I would call like, you know, difficult places, like, you know, the, the, the plant that's pushing up through the parking lot. There's something about that plant's strength and its, and its um, will to live that I think, you know, is embodied in its, in its, in its being and its ability to, to thrive no matter what. You know, I think looking at those kinds of things, the plants that grow in what I would call devastated or traumatized places, you know, I think that, that gives us a clue as to, you know, the healing that can be done with those plants, et cetera, you know, if we pay attention, you know, because it's all about biomimicry, you know, Um, and biomimicry is is our ability to see a certain system or a certain way plants or animals or um, how something is growing, and we understand that how that that system works, and then we imitate it in some way, um, in in a way that, that, that moves us along our relationship to the planet, and um, there's a, a lot of work, um, well, a lot of research has, has been done on that, um, that it's in our best essence to, uh, uh, it's in our best um, interest to look at how the world functioning, how these ecologies work together, how plants and animals and systems work, um, and how we design our, how we des- design our cities, how we design our, um, our, um, or economies, how we design our relationship to the planet as we move forward. Um, and um, I think indigenous communities have, um, for, for you know, as long as they've been in existence, have been aware of this. And uh, the modern world right now needs to kind of catch up, or at least you know, wake up out of its slumber. So, <laughs> so what is one or two really exciting things along these lines that you see happening now? Um, well, I think there's a lot of research being done um, in how we um, how we how we take care of water. I mean, right now water is a big issue. I mean, whoever um, controls water controls everything. You know how things are grown, how things are are done. Right now, we have a lot of droughts happening all over the planet, and then places are drowning because whatever um, is is being you know modified by our planet, so our climate. Um, um, stream, uh, jet streams uh, to, um, to you know, sort of create an imbalance. So, so how we deal with water 
is really important. So how we conserve water, how we understand how water is absorbed in plants and how it's absorbed in soil, how um, how we design our, our gardens, how we design um, our flower beds, everything everything that we do, we have to look at how we engage with water and how we um, use that water in a way that um, utilizes the best kinds of growth patterns, um, you know, um, keeps the soil hydrated so all the, the mycelium and the bacterium and all of that can continue to do their their um, their work between the roots of the plants to nourish the plants, et cetera. So, so I think that's kind of like right now is how we're how we are looking at um, conserving, um, being good stewards to water, taking care of the water, and that of course has political implications as well as agricultural implications, and also just our living day to day. Yes. You know. Um, so I think these are really important things to look at, um, and and we can we can talk about plants and everything, but if we don't actually deal with the water problem, none of that exists. I mean, we don't ex- it, it, like all the water on the planet is all the water on the planet there will ever be. We don't manufacture water here. We only have access to one percent of it, and that's drinkable, and we're polluting that at a rate that's frightening. Okay, and and that's part of like, you know, all of us. If we don't have water, we will never we we wouldn't exist. So, um, so I think that's a really big um, issue for us to address, um, no matter where where we are in the spectrum of uh, our work on the planet. I am so glad to see that the regenerative agriculture movement has gotten very mm-hmm. strong and is uh, starting to actually uh, set up some certifying bodies. Certainly, mm-hmm. a work Sally Fallon and I. Uh, in a very small way, began about 25 years ago when we started alerting people that if they wanted small farms, that they needed to eat meat. And that if you're not eating meat, you shouldn't eat organic produce, because after all, that's grown with animal manure. And if you're not going to support the animals, then you don't get organic. You have to get fertilized. Because as you know, and what regenerative agriculture knows, is without the water, no plants. Without the animals, no plants. We can't say the animals are mm-hmm. in the water and we need the water for the plants. No, the animals are part of that equation. You can't pick out any one part of it. As we've been trying to do and saying, oh, the insects are the wrong thing. We'll just get rid of the insects and everything will be fine. And mm-hmm. this has led to a collapse of bird populations, which is Absolutely. going to uh, have even further repercussions. So... I know that there are uh, groups of women who are doing ceremony with water. Mm-hmm. Do you do mm-hmm. ceremony with water? Do you lead water ceremony? Um, you're talking about how important that is. Tell us more. I, I've, 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 I've done water ceremony. I've participated in, in other water ceremonies. I have also worked on the political. Um, when I was living in Connecticut, I worked with... Um, others to um, help protect water, but also to prevent fracking water from coming into the state and being used on roads um, as, a, as, a desalinite, as, a, as a de-icer. So, um, so yes, I'm, I'm very much into like how we conserve water, but also how we use water and how we protect it. I'm also a water dowser, so I help people find wells and, and, and potable water in, in places. So um, I do a lot of work around water because I think if that's like, that's like the beginning. Okay, that's like that's like the where we have to start, and everything, you know, is part of that matrix. I mean, everything comes from water. I mean, one of my elders that I work with said, you know, everything is born of the ocean, and everything goes back to the ocean. I mean, that's the great mother. 
you know. So, so when we look at um, how we treat water and, and how we um, respect it and how we do ceremony over it and how we, you know, apply it to the many uses that we have, um, that's the matrix that holds all of this together. And, and you're right, you know, we need animals as well as plants because every ecology, all the parts of it are important. I mean, that's um, where the roots of permaculture comes from, also biodynamics. So, um, so we have to create ecologies that recognize the balance and the, and the cooperation between things, the, the, um, the engagement, the uh, interfaces, and the, um, and the weaving of, the, of, the, of these different um, forces, you know, some dynamic, some passive. Um, but, um, but, but they also create cycles through the seasons, through uh, um, all of the, the larger um, dynamics of our planet, et cetera. Um, but also everything's, everything is, I think, stressed to the point of, of adaptation right now. That's the other thing we're seeing now is, which, is that, that edge where we're at, that sort of membrane of, of um, are we going to move in a direction of, of sustainable life that's going to adapt and move forward, or are we moving towards extinction? And, and, these are, and these are, you know, the kind of the decisions we make now with the choices we make and, and how we move forward with our agriculture and how we build things, et cetera. And so what um, things do you see that we might want to support? Like the, I mentioned the regenerative agriculture movement, other things that you know of that would be important for us to support? Um, I think it's really important that we, we figure out how to live on the planet like and, and how, we, we, um, how we design cities, you know, um, you know, I think New York City right now is that, like, if you build a building, you have to build it green and put a green roof on it. And we're seeing this in other parts of the world, but I think that's also part of, like, the equation is greening our cities, but also when we build new housing, and et cetera, that we in- incorporate, you know, um, trees, um, you know, wild spaces, um, fields, prairies, et cetera. Like, one of the projects I've been sort of, like, mulling around in my brain is, like, well, if we're going to build, like, let's say, a housing complex. What should be, what, what how should that look? And I, I always look at the what I call the concentric circle model, and the very center of that should be a forest. So that's the lungs, and everything should be concentrically built around that, so that we understand that it, it is it is the forest that is the center. That is the thing that we are reminded of all the time. That's the thing that thrives. That's the thing that's the driving force. We tend to build our cities sort of. Um, on, on business or um, or other um, things that are, that are about you know commerce or or um, industry etc. But I think we need to start looking at how we design um, the places we live and, and make them you know environmentally centric, you know, um, nature centric, um, you know. So so that kind of stuff um, as we move forward because I, I don't think we're gonna you know. I think it's a romantic idea to think we're going to go back in time. We're going to be, live like we did a hundred years ago. I think what we have to do. Oh is goodness! No one we would to... want to live like we did a hundred years ago. <laughs> Ooh! I want my hot I know, shower. All I'm saying is that there is there is there's that notion that we should be living like we did a hundred years ago. But I also know, like, what my grandparents said. Like, no, I wouldn't want to either. Um, but we have to look at the technology. We have to look at the world that we. Because we've been given a tremendous amount of abundance, but also we've been given a tremendous amount of gifts in how we build and how we create. 
and we need to and design and we need to sort of start looking at those in terms of how we want the next 100 years to be and how we want to be on the planet you know and i agree i like my hot showers i want to figure out how to do that maybe we could do that with you know you know um, better ways to recycle that water and better ways to heat that water that don't involve fossil fuels etc so um, but these are all um part of like where we are right now in this kind of um, flux, you know, this kind of transformation that's happening on the planet. I don't want to be negligent in asking you how people can get in touch with you because I know that there are listeners who are saying, I want more, I want to connect more with Adi. So those who want to find out more, where shall they go? How should they best get in touch with you? Okay, so I have a I have a blog, um, uh, Shaman at Large, um, which I write fairly regularly on. You can contact me through there. You can also go to my website, thenewglobalshaman.com, and that will link you to all of my social media sites and also my Etsy page, etc. So um, you can also email me at... Um, Dr. Adi2Ls at protonmail.com. Dr. Adi2Ls? Owls, yes. Yeah. Two owls. Protonmail. Wait, Two there owls. are no L's, Adi. It's A D H I T W O O W L S. Is that it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you would use the numeral 2 as opposed to spelling out. Uh, A D H I, numeral 2, and then O W L S. Yeah. All right, Adi, two owls is the best way to get in touch with you. Wow, I am just um, want to hear uh, so much from you that I don't even know what to ask you next. So I'm going to ask you, what is the thing that is m- most exciting to you right now? Um, I think the fact that, that we don't know, and I, and I love mystery, and I love solving puzzles. I think right now, like, I, I am just totally enthralled with the fact that there's this giant mystery in front of me. And I get to be part of what makes that unfold, you know. Um, you know, I, I traveled across the country for two years traveling and teaching. Actually, I went across the country eight times. Um, in that two-year period of time. And I went to sacred places, and, of course, I drove through, you know, cities and, and, and small towns, and, and, and I just took in the richness of, of our country and just and was really sort of surprised, first off, about the amount of kindness that, it was, that I encountered all over, you know, um, and also just um, the diversity and how, how land and geography shapes people and how they are on the planet. You know, like um, in the Midwest, it's very flat. So you can understand why, you know, and there's hardly any trees. You can understand like being under this gigantic sky and this flat soil and how that, um, you know, and how that would, would make you feel like, you know, you're just burning under the sun and you have this farm, you have this land, you have this earth and things like that. And then you go into the mountains, that's a very different feel. No, or the California coast, you know, and just feeling that, that, that Pacific Ocean and that gigantic sort of presence and stuff like that. So, you know, and then, of course, you know, woodlands and, and old-growth forests and, and, the, and the, 
swamps and things like that. So just, you know, the richness of the world around us and understanding that this gigantic tapestry somehow breathes and, and, is, in, and is this mysterious place that we get to kind of explore. I mean, I think that, and, and not explore in the way, like, you know, we did before. You know, we went and we just sort of stuck a flag in and said, you know, for God and country. I think explore in a sense where, where we are humbled by, by, the, by the unknown, recognizing that um, we are in service to it. We are in service to um, the planet, in service to making this um, world that we live in. So I get excited about that. Yes. It's such an important thing for us to remember. I find that so many people that I meet feel that they don't have any purpose in life. And they're looking for some big change the world purpose when, in fact, it's what you just said. It's that we all have something to contribute. And it doesn't have to make the headlines and you don't have to get an award for it for your Mm -hmm. purpose to be important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I think, think, you know, I think we're moving out of the age. You know, the new age kind of weirdness is all about self, self. And I think we have to move into service. No longer I, it's we. And I think that's a huge, like, paradigm shift in our minds, but also in how we engage with each other in the world around us. Um, and, and I think that's part of the huge lesson we have right now. We can't do it alone. Nothing, nothing is, exists in a vacuum. It's all part of this creative cacophony, this messiness that um, um, our lives and the world around us. And it's not about success or fail. It's about um, how do we do this together? Yeah. I'm excited to read that there are over one million organizations focused on helping, preserving, nourishing all forms of life on this planet. Some are about plants, some are about animals, some are about people, but more than a million organizations, some of which have more than a million members like Audubon and so on. So we're not talking just a few people here. What you're talking about is something that is being carried up and carried forth by a huge number of living people on the planet right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I agree. I think, I think there's, there's been an awakening. You know, I think people, you know, I think the pandemic did something when people had to stop. And I think that's part of this whole process of, of they stopped the machine and, and people suddenly said, wait a minute, this isn't how I want to be in the world. Yeah. I want something different. And I think it's that still point. You know, like when you play drums, they always say it's not just about playing the notes, it's the silence in between. And I think, you know, we've been sort of beating the drum of our lives, and suddenly we had a quiet moment, and suddenly we can actually hear our own heartbeat. We can hear our connection to the planet. We can hear, you know, who we are, hear our own voice. And, and I think um, that's really sort of the miracle of, of what's been happening recently in our world. Um, and I think that's um, you know, part of this wanting to do something different, you know, and um, maybe not knowing exactly what that is, but willing to try different things. You know, we have barely 
touched on what we need to talk about, and yet our half hour is just about over. Again, anybody who wants to get a hold of RD2 numeral owls, you know, know how to do that now to carry the conversation further. And again, remember what Adi Tuals has told you tonight, that your contribution is important. If you do something to use a little less water or to keep the water around you in better shape, if you contribute to your household or your community, that is a worthwhile thing. That's such an important message that you've brought us. And so we've come to the last question of our time together. What do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone listening to you right now? Um, be curious. Um, curiosity is, is one of the things that makes us incredibly human, but also um, allows us to discover the world around us. Um, and curiosity and fear don't live in the same house. Um, so I think you know, the more curious we are, the more we're willing to discover. And also to use our imagination. Remember that um, we were given the gift of imagination, and we might not be able to um, see it, but if we can imagine it, we can build it, and we can make it. And I think that's important too. So, um, so those are my, my two, you know, um, thoughts about um, what 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 I can leave you that I think is broad enough and also open enough for everybody to uh, use in some way. Be curious and use your imagination to imagine what you want and then throw your body into what you have just imagined and make it happen. Take care of yourself. Take care of the earth. We're all in this together. Thank you so much for being with us tonight, Adi Tuals. I believe that we are all reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients and that our ancestors are here with us, helping to give us dreams and recollections and memories and imaginings of how it can be without losing the very precious part of how was. We don't want to go back to no hot showers, but we don't want to go forward to no human beings on this planet either. So we need to find a way to dance through there in the healing cloak of the ancients. Wrapping itself around us helps us to remember. Thank you, Sarah Ellen, so much for helping me to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. And thanks to each and every one of you who listens to the show, calls into the show, shares your experience. Wow, I am so grateful. Three blessings and good night, everybody. <laughs>